boys, boys, boys. You know, it's been a while since I had a real stress-free, not totally stress-free, but mostly stress-free Cowboys viewing experience. And goddamn if last night wasn't just one of the better ones I've had in damn near half a decade. That was pretty so, goddamn excellent. It's a real damn shame you we only get to play the Eagles twice a year and kick their ass twice a year because it's just it's just the easiest week on the schedule. I don't have to stress about it. I don't have to worry about anything. It's, I mean, it's it's it, it's almost not even fair. You know, it must be what Bama feels like when they they play like their pre you know their 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 non conference schedule. You know, they bring in like. But then the war beat Dallas shirts all week, dude. Like, it's a huge rivalry that we care about so much. And, like, we stress about it and freak out about it and, like, wear t shirts for. I saw our Dallas Cowboys Twitter account trolled their ass after the game, which is weird because we usually, we, Dallas Cowboy brand usually stays away from, from shit like that. So I appreciate I, I listened to the, I listened to like the official team podcast today and, like, they, uh, it was kind of a big deal for the social media team to get clearance to do that because you're right. Like the brand normally is like because every week someone do that. Yeah, just like we're everyone's biggest game on the schedule. Like every team wants to beat Dallas and it's like the biggest game of their season and they put all this shit out about it. And the Cowboys brand is very much just like, look, like it's just another game to us. But this time around, especially after the drubbing. It, I liked it. It was right on the line. It was it was cla- it was classy enough, but also like letting them know they had it and and they had it loaded like in the chamber. I loved it. So, oh, but before we get too far into this, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is a very special episode of Boys Will Be Boys. Not only are we coming to you the night after the Dallas Cowboys absolute shellacking of the Philadelphia Eagles, but it, for the first time. In the history of this show, we are welcoming a guest onto the podcast, our longtime friend, fellow Cowboys fan, one of the coolest, smartest dudes you'll ever meet, Zach Love. Welcome to the podcast, my friend. Oh, what's up, guys? By the way, you did actually have Lane on the show once. Oh, that's right. We did have Lane. I totally forgot about that. All right. Well, he wasn't an official guest host. He was just like a call-in and then fuck off. We sent out we sent out like a, a a massive widespread campaign trying to find a Houston Texan fan, and we had one person respond, and it was Lane. So we, we had to get their only fan onto the podcast. <laughs> this this is much more um a co-host situation, a, a, a three-way co-host, and, and who knows, maybe maybe Zacharias will will join us in the future. Who could who could possibly say? For uh, transparency's sake, when we sent out that massive call for Texans fans, we got one response from Lane and then a series of really, really sad, pathetic emails from Bill O'Brien begging to be on the show. But we went with Lane because it felt weird. So I just I, I didn't want to lie to the public. So we're stoked to have Zach here. Um, you guys watched the game together last night, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, nice. Sir. So hit me with your uh, hit me with your viewing experience. Your first thoughts on this game? Uh, how'd you feel going in? How'd you feel throughout the game? Hit me with the whole spiel. I showed up like ten minutes, a little bit late to the game, mm-hmm. and I come in and immediately just see us kicking an extra point. Nice. So, yes. 
I am loving the early scoring this year. That is a huge change of pace, and I am loving so, it. So something we did not mention in the Chargers game, and I guess a stat I had not heard, was we had the longest active streak in the NFL of not scoring a touchdown on our opening drive. We had gone like 17 or 18 straight weeks without an opening touchdown. Jeez. And then we did it in the Chargers, and to follow it up in the Eagles anyway, it it is pretty nice to, to, to start quick like that. It is. It puts the defense in such a better position right out of the gate. It sets a tone really well. Um, there were some weird similarities between this and the Chargers game. So we started with an opening score. We then forced a turnover on their first drive and then immediately had a huge fuck up on falling offensive possession from that. So the game started like eerily similar to the Chargers, although obviously the results were uh, tremendously different. Um, Dude, I how do you guys want to do this? Should we go through the game chronologically? Should we go like, what are you guys thinking? I, I think, I think instead of like a drive by drive, we kind of just go, f- we flow through the game, you know, and just like, mm-hmm. Oh, and then this happened and this happens, you know, and, and we highlight things that, stuck up and as always if you know something comes to you when you when we bring up something or we leads into something else you know the normal just the the off-cuff riffing about how great we kicked ass but yeah i like it so yeah i guess the to start it off um we did score on the first drive uh this drive featured uh, a heavy dose of zeke elliott to start off the game which kind of set the tone uh leading up to this game obviously and, and ben and i discussed this last week there's a ton of talk about the Zeke versus Pollard. Pollard's better. He should get more carries, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know if that was heard inside of the organization or this was just the game plan from the jump, but uh, we definitely saw Zeke Elliott return to his normal eagle-crushing form this evening, and that started right on the first drive. Um there were I counted. I went through the whole play-by-play. I counted. There was a total of five rushes in this game by the Cowboys for less than five yards. Every other rush in this game was for more than five yards. So they were getting chunks immediately, which was awesome, especially against uh, a defensive line that was considered kind of the strength of this Eagles defense. Um, and probably the highlight of this drive is the big forty-four-yard uh, play downfield to CD right out of the gate. Dak takes the top off the defense. Um, this was an emotional game for Dak. Uh, he's returning to Cowboy Stadium for the first time since his injury last year. Uh, I cannot imagine how much Jerry loved the fact that a camera caught a single dramatic tear rolling down Dak's cheek during the national anthem. That's just like straight out of a movie. But that came to play, uh, and they cap it off with a one-yard run by Zeke Elliott, uh, and the Cowboys go up 7 nothing. So like we, like we highlight at the top of the show um, – Right out of the gate, I just knew like they they do not have what it's going to take to stop this defense or this offense. I, I just knew that immediately. Yeah, I mean it was pretty pretty fluid. I mean they just marched down the field. Um, a little Pollard, a little Zeke. Uh, Zach is, by the way, a member of the Pollard. He's been he's been a big TP guy. So uh, nice, uh, nice for I've Zach. Been more not yeah. that feeling that good about Zeke than specifically Pollard. That's fair. You know, he proved me wrong, at least so far. This game, Zeke showed that, yeah, no, he is needed. He he's a, he provides a different they, – they bring different stuff to the table. I love the physical running nature of Zeke this game. He was pounding through guys. There was one play, I'm sure we'll get to it, where 
Um, they just sent Zeke up the gut in the red zone and Zeke pretty much just lowered his shoulder and like planted a dude into the four yard line for like the seven. It was awesome. Um, That's what you haven't seen that much of him. You get like a yeah. play or so where he do that and then nothing else for the rest of the game. He, he looks good all game today. I loved it. Uh, I ended up with 95 and two TDs, which is excellent. It is one of the few games I can remember him getting five yards of carry in a fucking minute for sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you so have to go back. You have to go back to last year for sure. The Rams games last time I remember him looking yeah. good. Agreed. Agreed. He's so he's been failing it since. Certainly a uh, somewhat of a revenge game for Zeke because he obviously had a bunch of uh, he had he had a lot of doubters coming into the season and then after the Pollard performance last week those voices got louder. So Cowboys start off with a touchdown and then Jalen Hurts takes the field uh, and they do get a really nice play right out of the, right out the gate. The first snap the Eagle from the Eagles is Dallas Goddard, the most hated of players. Dallas Goddard uh-huh. going thirty eight yards on us. Um, they get a five-yard play after that, and then what would become kind of a sign of bad things to come for Hertz here, he tries to go deep down the right sideline to Jalen Rager, and it, he throws a very bad ball. It's incredibly short, uh, and Anthony Brown, the much maligned Anthony Brown, comes up with an interception, which I have to say I was pretty shocked. I've been pretty verbally abusive to the name of Anthony Brown over the course of the season thus far. Um, this was a great moment for, for lockdown Ant Brown. I was very pleasantly surprised to see him come up with the takeaway. Yeah. I mean, the defense is, is, you know, a stat you're going to hear until it's not true, um, which means they're going to beat us over the head with it for a few weeks is that this team leads the NFL in takeaways, um, which is a, a saying I honestly never thought I would ever be able to say on this podcast. So I will never beat our listeners over the head with that. Um, and even when Anthony Brown's getting you a turnover, I mean, you just gotta, you gotta be doing something, uh, uh right. I know turnovers can be fluky. That one was definitely underthrown, but you know, I mean, he's, it was nice to see him make a play for sure. Absolutely. And, and like we talked about last week, man, like this is just another one of those plays where we've seen Cowboys DBs and players drop this kind of ball before. Like, even when it is like relatively fluky and an, like a, it's given to you. We've seen them mess up those opportunities. So the fact that they're capitalizing on those opportunities now is a huge change for this team, and I love it. Um, unfortunately, uh, he came down on the one-yard line, which sucks. I wish he uh, I wish he had fallen backwards like an extra foot. He would have been in the end zone. We would have come out to the 25 because um, the Cowboys start on their own one. Uh, we scram- Dak runs a little scramble, and then on second and six from the Dallas five, uh, Tyler Biotis just gets blasted by Hargreaves back into Dak. He basically gets lifted off his feet, pushed into Dak. Dak can't get, can't or doesn't get rid of the ball fast enough here. Uh, and Fletcher Cox or Hargreaves again is able to kind of like pin the ball against the back of Dak's helmet as his arm is coming forward, strips the ball. Fletcher Cox picks it up and they get a touchdown off the fumble. Um, Honestly, probably the worst moment of the night for the Cowboys. I was worried at that point. I yeah. know I shouldn't have been, but you can't help it. No, and I mean, it, this, it is, definitely this is the felt kind like, of thing we've seen before. It definitely felt like the air was let out of the room. I mean, one thing I was going to mention was, you know, this is our first game at home, and that crowd was fucking electric, you know. Um, yeah. they There was a really 
long period where I didn't feel like they had home field advantage because they made Jerry world such a spectacle. And so many fan bases traveled at least in the first three to four years to come see the game and see the palace that Jerry is what SoFi is. It's, it's what SoFi is experiencing now is like, it's effectively like a international house of football. And what Vegas will experience too, you know, until the, the aura of it goes away. Right. But now I honestly think we have a pretty decent home field advantage. We have a really loud, rambunctious crowd that they actually had to quiet down a few times while on offense, which was pretty funny. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely felt like the air kind of came out of the the building there. And, and I'm replaying a few things sort of perfect stormed this was, of course, Beatus, who got absolutely uh, manhandled, was the biggest uh, thing that happened right away. And two was... This route was like a quick little in to CeeDee Lamb, and CeeDee Lamb actually falls over at the top of his route. And you can kind of see Dak like kind of pumps it and holds it, and that extra mm-hmm. little pump, then Dak probably should have just thrown that in the ground. I mean, I guess it's good he didn't throw it because it probably would have been picked if he threw it right then. But you know what I mean? Kind of causes Dak to bring it back, and then he wants to throw it, and then either he doesn't, doesn't have the time, or can't. You know, we can argue if he should have got rid of that. But, yeah, CeeDee falling down there was not a – uh helpful part of that play for sure and then yeah yeah this was most definitely and this is just a moment where like you've seen you you saw this happen to jason garrett teams where they would like maybe maybe start hot but then like the other team would come back and punch them in the mouth and they would just seemingly lose rhythm and just kind of be off it's like it like when you see a fighter get like punched in the ear and they just lose equilibrium they just don't know how to react to that um but to the Cowboys' credit, like, this did not phase the offense at all, and neither did what's coming next, which unfortunately I think is probably the most controversial portion of this game. So uh, the Cowboys do get the ball back at their own 25. They proceed to march down the field. Uh, Zeke, Pollard, some nice passing by Dak. Uh, they get all the way to third and goal at the five, and they run a little, like, out route by Zeke. Dak hits Zeke. Zeke dives for the end zone. Upon replay, he's like four inches short when his knee touches the ground. Um, so they reverse the touchdown, and it's now fourth and goal on the Philly one. They run a sneak play up the middle with Dak, uh, and it's called a touchdown. Or no, they call it they 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 rule it a stop, and then they review that and they uphold the call. Um, I'm sure everyone has their own opinion on this. I. I spent a lot of today, like looking around the internet, even at like Eagles fans and stuff like that. I, I, maybe I'm my, my own bias is affecting what information I take in, but it seems like most people thought this was a touchdown and particularly the overhead. No, the DAC sneak up the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. uh, Yeah. So uh, particularly the overhead view of this sneak, Unless Dak had the ball like between his knees, he's very clearly over the line into the end zone, in my opinion. Um, it was really frustrating, man. It was like this is the third time in three weeks we've had a call that I'm like kind of outraged by, at least in the moment. Obviously, it didn't come to count for very much, but man, this was a really, really frustrating decision by the referees. It was bullshit both times. That's my official opinion. Yeah. They should have not called it out. They should have called that a touchdown, and they should have reversed it. Yeah, I know, agreed. Like, there's some doubts about, like, when the whistle is blown, but I 
no. I mean, you can see him over this, the line. This is my only – something happened at the very beginning, got pushed, and then he, like, can it reach the ball the way he wanted originally? But then he clearly gets over, and I was just shocked they didn't call it a touchdown on the field. 100% shocked that they – I've never seen them not really call a QB sneak uh, forward progress. Um at least very rarely in, in, in that situation. And then I knew when they reviewed it, they just weren't going to give it. There's just too many fucking little factors. They never, they're going to say, well, we don't know when the whistle was blown or where the ball was. And I just knew, I knew right, right when they took that to review, I was like, they're not calling that a touchdown. But it was bullshit. Agreed. I just can't believe that they originally didn't rule it a touchdown because they ruled it a touchdown. They would never reverse that, which is crazy. To yeah, me. agreed. Whatever decision so. they made on the field was going to stand because. I think even the announcer said it like because of the nature of how many bodies were on top of this play, there was no clear camera angle of where the ball was. And so whatever the decision was, you weren't going to have evidence one way or the other to overturn whatever decision was there. My question is, and and I want your guys' opinion on this. um, You know, I feel like we're in the 21st century. How is it possible we have not chipped the football and can know exactly where the football is on a given field and when it crosses the, the plane we know that like to within a, a you know to millimeter accuracy they do it in soccer for the goal like when a ball goes into the goal or in the out of bounds like the ball is smart it knows when it's out of bounds for a while they were experimenting with a ball that changed colors when it went in the goal and went out of bounds people didn't like that but they still have it chipped so that it is known without any shadow of a doubt whether the ball has gone even a fraction of a millimeter over that line. Um, and in 2021, we're still relying on like a ref who's 30 feet away to look at a pile of dudes and guess based on like where elbows are and shit. Like, yeah, it seems like it's probably there. Well, um, then, a, I know you'll remember this game. Do you remember, do you remember when they you had to use a note card to spot the ball against Oh yeah, the Cow- in the Cowboys Raiders game? Because you're like, that shit's just insane to me. To a lesser degree, they I've I really always questioned like punts out of bounds, how they could ever possibly know where that ball really That's went a out. Total of bounds. shot in the dark, dude. That's a hundred percent a shot in the dark. And then like extra points and field. I know they have two referees standing there looking up, but there's been times where I'm looking at that, especially if it goes over the top of the goalpost, where I'm like, there's no possible way they could have a good idea if that went in or not. Yeah. And they just like uh we think it did, so whatever. So to your point, I, I I would assume that the NFL, especially the most profitable sports league in the world, would would have a way to uh, <laughs> track that. That's what but, I'm saying. It's like smaller sports that make less money have way more accurate officiating than this. I mean, I, I know it's probably getting annoying to people who listen to this podcast how often I bring up Formula One, but like. That, that is truly a sport of science where they've just like, everything is a computer now. Like they can just take telemetry data from the car and know who was going faster at a given corner anywhere on the track. And so they can always know who's ahead of who, no matter what a camera says or anything. So it's confounding to me that this call happened. It shouldn't happen. Well, it's this excusable that they haven't chipped everything. I can only assume there's some money reason they haven't at this point. Yeah. Like yeah. Some, I don't know how the refs work. They have a union. If that's a good point yeah maybe maybe the refs who are making like you know quarter million a season are like our value goes down a little bit if like we're kind of just standing there for symbolic purposes well and you also got to think like 
if Dak is vaccinated, then he has a chip in him. And we That's true. Why didn't they just use his chip? Should be, we should be able to get that information. Just call Bill like, Gates. <laughs> be like, hey, pull up Dak's chip. Yeah, that makes no sense. That makes no sense. So, so it was frustrating, uh, especially when the game is tied 7-7. You're, you know, I'm immediately flashing back to week one, you know, where missed kicks, like, cost us this game. And I'm just like, if this touchdown costs us this game, I'm freaking out. Um, defense so the Eagles, and out. Big yeah, this here. was awesome. Uh, some great pressure by Jalen Smith. Some great pressure by Randy Gregory. Uh, they forced Hertz out of the pocket early and often. Here, he ends up doing a really dangerous scramble, bootlegs back into his own end zone and out. Oh, almost yeah. takes a safety and then just chucks it down the sideline. Luckily, but a great three and out by the defense here. Your boy um, Jordan Lewis almost a pick six could have walked. Yeah, yeah, he, he should have had that one too. There was a couple like of those. Uh, Jordan had another one at the end that he just like on their garbage time touchdown where he yeah. just like did not jump for the ball at all. I'm wondering like, if he here? didn't think the receiver was behind him or something. That was that's got to be it. Um, <laughs> or he missed, or he or he had like a Roy Williams death perception moment where he thought that ball was like uncatchably high and was just gonna like sail out of the back of the end zone or something. But I don't know. Um, but the they do punt and the Cowboys get the ball at the fifty. Um, and again, like like every drive thus far, they just march right down the field. Uh, this is really uh, Pollard really is on display in this drive. He's pounding the rock, getting six, seven yards. Schultz uh, is showing up huge here, too. Uh, he gets an early 12-yard catch on this drive. And then uh, on second and nine from the Philly 19, Dak, uh, they run a really great kind of pick-switch concept on the right side. Peyton and Eli broke it down in their little Manning cast show. Uh, and Schultz gets behind the defense in a little gap in the zone. And Dak, this was the first pass of the game where I was just like, that is an amazing throw by Dak. He throws it just high enough to get over the DB and then have it fall right into Schultz's hands. Um, beautiful throw by Dak. And let me ask you this, guys. Do you think Dalton Schultz has kind of separated himself as tight end one on this team? Going into the season, it was kind of a committee thing between him and Jarwin. A lot of people are saying after this game that Dalton Schultz is now the man. First of all, how dare I you? Second of all, he... don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> no, he uh he had a, he had a fantastic game. Um, uh, I'm more, th- I don't I don't know. I honestly think they're really interchangeable personally. Um, sure. I think they kind of collectively make a good tight end. Almost, <laughs> they're both serviceable. Um, uh, I would say sort of to that. I guess to to kind of change the question a bit i sort of find found it interesting that for a third game in a row we took what the defense gave us the philly was playing too high safety pretty much all game with their banged up safeties and took away the big plays to amari and cd say for that first big one and so you saw a lot of the run game and you saw a lot of the tight ends and i just i don't know that was more the observation i made from from that is that this offense is good enough that and Dak is smart enough that whatever you are willing to let our offense do, that's what they'll do. We don't. We can run more than we can. We can go pass happy if we need to. We can throw it all downfield to Amari and CD in single coverage. If you want to put safeties over the top, we'll run it down your throat. And if you want to go one-on-one with the tight ends when you do that, then we'll find a tight end. So I don't know if there's a huge difference between Jarwin and Schultz, but that was more my uh, 
takeaway from from his breakout performance. Ellen did say something similar. He said, we will aggressively take whatever the defense gives us. So right along with what you're saying, like they, you got to pick your poison with this Cowboys offense. Like if you're going to double like with a corner and a safety and take away, try to take away both Amari and CD, then Wilson and Schultz and Pollard and Jarwin and Zeke are all good enough to beat you by themselves. If you, try to play any of those guys, then you've got two of the best receivers in football on the outside ready to kill you. So, very interesting. So, Zach, what are your thoughts? My thought is, honestly, for our offense, I just love how there's not, other than the quarterback, we don't have, like, one player that makes this position. Yeah. You know, like, we lost Gallup. Wilson's in there. He's not Gallup. He's good. Like, you lose Jarwin, get Schultz. Lose Pollard, get Zeke. Or the other way around. Yeah, definitely. Like, all that stuff. And it's like, I want us to keep them. Keep both committee yeah it's the depth is incredible especially because we have been a team for it seems like a couple years that like if we lost certain key guys we just like got neutered instantly um low-key shout out to wilson man like he didn't show up huge on the stat sheet but that circus catch he had down the left side of the field that he only got one foot in that was an incredible catch and the dude came up with some some key catches including being the only receiver to catch a touchdown so Wilson has continued to, to show he is every bit the uh, level of capable you need while Gallup is on the sidelines. When he did that catch in the end zone for a brief second, I just assumed it was Lamb. Just from the yeah. way he caught it and fell down. It wasn't until he got back up. I was like, oh, shit. He's got great hands, man. Like we're, I, I became so accustomed to years of Terrence Williams, like body catching and like holding my breath every time a ball hit a receiver to have multiple guys on this team that catch exactly like a, a receiver is taught to catch, like strong hands away from your body can kind of like negotiate their body in any direction. I mean, that's a tough catch that Wilson had. He had to float in the back of the end zone, make sure his toes are in lean on both toes and catch the ball. It's an incredible touchdown. He had a later in this game, it was ruled a catch was quickly challenged and not a catch a sick one-hander on yeah. the sidelines that he pinned only got one foot down but that was um that was awesome man to <laughs> that's yeah, a top 10 sure. catch in college yeah. that's on, you're on sports center for that in college but on sundays you got to get both feet yeah incredible like, i almost wondered too if he's like maybe more sure-handed than some of our other guys you know like i i i think CD the thing that I nitpick about CD is drops. We clearly saw that in the Bucks game. Um Amari is weird where he'll have like four games where I don't think he'll drop anything and then he'll go like th- uh, three drops in one game. I think you know what was the stat last year didn't we lead or we were second in drop. Drops are weird because they're a really subjective stat by whoever's grading whether it's PFF the on NFL, the QB or on the yeah that, right. And yeah whether it was catchable or not or got jarred out but Anyway, I know we had a, a high number of them last year. So anyway, to see him make a couple sure-handed snags is a—it's just a nice little, you know, another weapon in the pocket. Yeah, and, and obviously we're dealing with a small sample size here with him because, but he has yet to drop any of his targets. Um, we saw him last year against Seattle, like show up like an, a, a true starting NFL receiver. He had over 100 yards, a couple touchdowns. Um, the kid can definitely play and. While I'm not ready to be like, okay, cool, like we don't need Gallup, the fact that, you know, Gallup is in a contract year, he's going to demand a pretty good price. He's a, you know, thousand yard receiver. Um, it suddenly makes the idea of losing Gallup not nearly as bad when you can just slot Wilson in there and keep rolling next year with what will effectively be almost an identical 
capability as far as receiver core goes. It's going to be sad to lose them, but I mean, I agree with you and I don't really see any other outcome. Yeah. I mean, your, your choices are uh, Gallup plays so well this year that you decide to walk on Amari and let CD be number one, Gallup be number two, Wilson number three, or yeah, you let Gallup walk. Amari is just too much of a proven commodity. In my opinion, he's, he is among the best receivers in the NFL at the thing he does like as a, technical route runner he is just dominant and we've seen him take over a game before so i think you're right zach i'm leading in that same direction and, well you know, i was uh, really hoping this season that lamb was going to show that you know, he can compete with amari for that position yeah and unfortunately he hasn't made that step it's as of weird. yet yeah as of yet, I, I know it's early in the season but because i test we would definitely say that although i believe cd has better numbers and catches and yards um minorly but i, I yeah Amari dominated saying. week one and then was kind of a in the background week two and then obviously he's playing hobbled this week with the rib thing and so he was kind of an afterthought well, on that note too i i, I guess salt is in a contract year so and you still have jarwin under contract so he's probably gone because tight ends always make more money than i think they will I mean, they just float around the yeah. NFL forever. So Escobar got a $10 million deal or $20 million deal or something insane. Fuck, yeah. Like, Anthony Fasano was on, like, four teams after he left us. So Everyone's looking out for that next great tight end. So, yeah, but Schultz does come up with a great catch here. Amazing throw by Dak. Um, this next series by the defense, uh, the, high, the one play I really want to highlight, this is another three and out, which is awesome. Um but on second and one, they try to do a little like RPO uh, keeper with Jalen Hurts. Uh, Micah Parsons just sheds this tackle, is not fooled by the RPO at all, and blows Jalen Hurts up. This was kind of the first highlight play of Micah's day. Um, it goes in the books as a tackle for loss because it's he's already like Jalen's already moving in the direction of, of a runner, but he's behind the line. It is absolutely an amazing play and could be considered a sack in some circles, but awesome, awesome play by Micah here. I feel like in that play, too, like Hurts had to have seen Micah and just thought, no, nah, I can do this. I can get yeah. back. Well, and, and you'll you'll notice uh, – I'll, I'll give a shout-out to both Micah and uh, the often maligned, even on this podcast, uh, Jalen Smith, who – you know, coming into this game, Ben, you and I both thought that we would use Micah as a spy on Jalen Hurts primarily in this game. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts has averaged north of 60 yards rushing every game of his career. He had 85 last week against the Niners. The dude's pretty slippery. And they primarily used Jalen Smith as a spy in this game. And he got held to 33 yards rushing on nine attempts. Um, Jalen didn't always look you know, Jalen, like getting going in the correct direction and up to speed is sometimes like kind of a, a heart pounding moment because he does not look like a fluid athlete like he once did. Um, but he he got he did not ever get the corner turned on him. He didn't like he let did. Jalen yeah, get enough. into open space. He did enough to like limit the damage on every run. Um, and yeah, held held Jalen Hurts to his lowest rushing day as a pro, which I was very impressed by. I wonder how much of him being less of a liability or really just Micah's emergent Trayvon Diggs a step who we haven't talked about yet is is attributed to Dan Quinn just being 
competent and good at what he does, or do we just have more talent this year? It's it's kind of a I I, I couldn't really say, but I, I it's got to uh, be some of both, right? I, like yeah, thought it might have been something about competition. Like it now. could be that too. I mean, Jalen can actually play. Jalen has to know that he's in kind of a weird make or break space. Um, on top of that, man, like I don't think any cowboy on that defense played their best football under Mike Nolan, who was an absolutely useless coach. I, man, I ragged on the guy all last year, and now, and I, and I know that Dan Quinn has had just an incredible run of luck as far as like the talent that he got to have come into this defense from Micah Parsons to the emergence of Trayvon Diggs to hitting on a ton of free agent talent, like all our safeties um, and, and even some other rookies. Osa, who we'll talk about later, has emerged as, even as a backup, as a really good player. Um, but man, like they're just night and day different. And Jalen has been just well, think about- so, such a better player. Think about they're banged up right now. Like we've seen Kelvin Joseph play because he's been on IR. Tank Lawrence, obviously, to me, still the best player on this defense. Um, he's out multiple multiple weeks with with a foot, and you know even even the other safety Donovan Wilson, you know he's missed time. Keanu so. Neal and Keanu Neal missed. Like I, I just love that Neville Gallimore. This- yeah, and Neville Gallimore, who hasn't played much. You know, I love that this team has been able to to find ways to win and still be successful losing pieces week by week because yeah. it's just I something mean, they never could do so in the Garrett era. Agreed. Every single week we've been missing someone, and at least for the first two, being worried someone knew. about it. Someone knew. Oh, yeah. 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 It's almost as if we didn't lose them at all. And it's on well, both like, sides man, of the like, ball. Like, I haven't called Terrence Steele's name once in two weeks. Like, yeah, it's it's other guys that I'm worried about on the offensive line, frankly. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but I mean the fact that like you can you know Neville Gallimore like all through camp you hear this guy's making steps, he's going to be a really good DT. It's looking really good. Then he gets hurt, and his backup, this rookie in the, from the third round, goes in, and this dude has leads the team in sacks this game. He has 1.5 sacks. He gets three pressures. He gets a couple hurries. I mean, Osa looked like a beast out there. Like yeah, so. It's it's incredible they have what appears to be a sudden wealth of cheap talent. Um, we're the third youngest team in the NFL, uh, and they are playing at an incredibly high level for such a fresh young team. It's really incredible. So, um, yeah, that play by Micah was awesome. Uh, the, the Cowboys get the ball back uh, to effectively start the second quarter, uh, and they basically go to work. Uh, they do start off with – uh, the first of three Connor Williams holding penalties. This is the one that people have kind of said upon replay. He didn't really hold, but I'm, I really can't give any mercy to Connor Williams. I'm just too far into the Connor Williams hate um, between Zeke and Pollard. They basically just pound their way down the field. Uh, and this ends when they, uh, they get down into the red zone. They're on the Eagles 13 yard line. Uh, this was such a cool moment. So they step up to the line. The camp field mics catch Dax audible and he yells, Bob Ross, Bob Ross. And the announcer goes, Bob Ross. Huh? I think this might be a draw play, you know, cause Bob Ross is a painter. And then like clockwork, Zeke runs the draw play right up the middle for 10 yards, sets us up for third and goal at the three. And then Zeke pounds it in. But I thought that was so funny that the Cowboys draw play audible was to yell Bob Ross at the top of your lungs. That's really awesome. They're going to have to change that now, but really cool. I haven't seen us run a draw play in so 
long either. And a, there was a three tonight that or three on Monday night that, that worked beautifully. And this went on like second and long from deep in the goal. Um, yeah. That was beautiful, man. And, and the fact that they punched it in again on third down, which was another just tough run for Zeke. I mean, Zeke, I'm he's just a hammer. Like he just doesn't get tackled backward. Yeah. Like he just two he two just issues on the stride. One you have like you have you have two Connor Williams holding penalties on this one drive, and they still managed to score, which is incredible. Normally that dude is the one man drive killer. And then two, Greg Zerline misses this PAT. Um now again, this is another situation yeah. just like last week with McCarthy's clock management, where like they 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 won and they won and running away, so no one really cares. But this makes nine. I actually wrote down the stat here. Uh, nine of the last nineteen games with Dallas, in which Greg Zerline has missed a kick. So in forty-seven percent of his games for Dallas, Greg Zerline has missed a kick of some kind. But there, now some of those are us trotting him out there to try a fifty-eight yard field goal. And that can be excused on some occasion, but shit like PATs, man, like that's crazy that he's still, I mean, I thought, and and Zach, I thought you put it perfectly in the chat. You were like, come on, Greg. I thought we were past this. I was like, it's felt exactly the same. I was like, right. I thought this was the thing we got over. It's like, you know, he knows how to kick them. You can do it. It's like, I don't, it's, I don't get it. Like, there must be something mental with him. It it has to be a huge thing. I have to assume. He has, as the golfer of this group, it's like he has like no nine iron in the bag. Like everything he hits is just a fucking smash driver. And sometimes it's dead down the middle and 60 yards. And a lot of times he pulls the shit out of it or pushes the hell out of it. Like he can't take anything off a kick. It seems to me. So when he has yeah, these, like, 37, these 37 yard field goals, he is just smashing them. And <laughs> it's like, a, well, and you notice his break. PATs, he always misses his PATs left. And when he hits those like 50 something yard field goals, a lot of times when they come off his foot, they go left and then they curl back in. So it, it seems like, and Ben, yeah, I was going to say, I can't remember. I don't play enough golf to know like what's a hook and what's a whatever. But yeah, just the, it seems like he has that kind of left to right arcing motion on his kick. And so if there's no space, for it to have room to arc back, it might miss a little left if it's going to miss. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I, I didn't feel like this one was really going to cost us. Um, they wound up punting. We wound up punting. They wound up punting. And in the last one before the half, uh, just got a lot of Cowboys. This, this was an issue, man. Yeah. So we included. have yet another – yeah, this is yet another – situation where okay mike mccarthy does not call plays on offense that's kellen moore's job he does not call plays on defense that is dan quinn's job he does not control special teams that's john fazell's job leaving people to ask what does mike mccarthy do um and we saw him in the offseason if you watched hard knocks you saw him had this huge that mojo moments you know like okay there's this many seconds left it's this down and this distance go win blah 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 well the Eagles have the ball. There's when it gets to se- it's second and 31 uh, after a penalty, and there's a minute 55 to play in the half. And the Cowboys, the Eagles are intentionally letting the clock run because they want to get to the half where they'll have a better, you know, circumstances under which to take the ball to get the ball at halftime. We have two timeouts. There's two minutes to play, and McCarthy uses none of them. He lets the Eagles just drain clock 
the Eagles actually take a timeout of 20 seconds. And at fourth and five on the Dallas 49, they punt. And we get the ball with 11 seconds to go, and Dak just kneels so it out. First well, first one of these, yeah, they uh, it ends, like I said, they have a first and 10 or 46. This was a badass sack by Osa. It looked awesome, man. Um, like yeah. Boston, Marcus Mosher, all those guys who, you know, do breakdowns of Cowboy film. Uh, they're in love with this kid. Um, rookie, I think, what we got in third round out of UCLA. Anyway, he flashed yep. in this game. Oh, so sure. Zua, amazing player so far. So then they get a hold on the next one on, on Van Der Esch, who was blitzing. So then you get the two-minute warning. So it's a second and 31, and uh, they only get like a seven-yard gain. And this is where I was yelling, call the timeout. Because this is third and twenty-four, you could have you would have been like one forty-five, used a timeout, and on third and twenty-four, I know they got nineteen yards here, so I get not using a timeout after this one because it was fourth and five. Maybe they go for it because you've let them burn off like forty seconds, but you definitely needed to call a timeout after the second and thirty-one play when it was third and twenty-four. They're not going to convert twenty-four yards. At worst case, they're either going to run a draw or screen, which they do, which you gave up too many yards, but that's fine. If you called the first timeout. Then when you needed to call your second timeout, instead of having, you know, 30 seconds or 40 seconds left, you could have put called this at like 140 and given Dak almost yeah. 140 with no timeouts to probably from like the 10 yard line and go to work. And, and McCarthy. Yeah. And McCarthy came out and said later, like he was comfortable with the lead. He was fine playing conservative there. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I don't know if Andy has the, the quote. No, that's, that's pretty much exactly what he said. He said we were comfortable with the lead we had. We didn't want to, we didn't want to give them a chance to maximize on any mistakes. Like, dude, you've been killing them this game. Like you need to, I think that this is just me. When you're in a situation like this, where it's seven to 20, it should be 28 to seven. Really, it should be 28 to zero. Like, and they get the ball the, the fumble, at the second half. And they get the ball at half. Like, you need to break this team's soul right now. Get the ball, even if you just get down close enough to kick a field goal. Like, put three, make it a three score game. Like, because if they come out at halftime, they come out, they sc- run the touch, the, the kickoff back, it's suddenly 20 to seven, 20 to 14. They're within six points. They're a touchdown away from the lead. Like, this is this game is not in hand yet to be making calls like that. I I just thought very questionable and less about this particular situation and more about the trend we've seen, where just like every single game has some very weird behavior with clock management and timeouts being used or not used. It's bizarre. It's worrying. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's just, I mean, so far they have not bit us in the ass, but you have to wonder when it will happen. It kind of did with the Bucks because, like, if better – I mean, he wasn't for him not call, uh, calling timeouts, but better clock management, we wouldn't have left Brady with – was it a minute? A minute yeah, and something like that. And it was just like we could have just run that clock down. Like, even yeah. if we just ran it down to, like, 30, 40 seconds, you know? Like, give him yeah, I, I – it's weird because I, I asked the question then is – that show that he doesn't have faith in Dak to not turn the ball over. Right. And then, and then you ask that. And then later in the game, you let Dak go for a fourth and goal to put it out of reach. So I don't know. It was a, it wasn't unjustifiably bad, but it was pretty bad. He's a weird combination of like 
riverboat gambler and also like suicidally conservative. Like sometimes he, he plays like Jason Garrett and sometimes he plays like Les Miles. It's bizarre. I've never seen that combination in a coach before. Um, very strange. Very strange. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, they do go into the half up 20 to seven. Uh, obviously really great half, all things considered. Uh, and the Eagles get the ball to start the second half. Uh, and just like the first uh, play they got on offense, they run, uh, they hit Dallas Goddard who gets a 28 yard pass right out of the gate. Um, then on, on first and 10 for the Dallas 47 hurts. I mean, it's, I can't tell if this, this is like your, what you're talking about, Ben, like the uh, objectivity of what is a drop. Like, I don't know if this oh, is this a drop because it, it, it hits Goddard in the glove, but it's also a little bit off like as a pass. Um, Hertz came out and said, or the, the coach came out and said it was because he was under pressure and that's why he put the ball in the wrong place. Um, I think Goddard's got, I agree with you. I think Goddard's got to catch that, but, um, luckily he didn't because on the next play, they try to run, uh, kind of a three-step drop little out to Devonte Smith. Devonte Smith falls over. Um, we actually got a really great breakdown of this play. If you go back and you watch during the, the clip from the Eli and Peyton Manning cast thing, they had, uh, Nick Saban on as a guest during this play. And obviously Nick Saban coached uh, both players involved in this play. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so he kind of broke down, like, he's like, we teach our DBs, like how to read a three-step drop, where to watch the quarterback's eyes. And we teach them all to make this play. Now, all of them don't have Trayvon's hands. Trayvon is effectively a wide receiver playing DB, which was echoed by Jerry Jones after the game, who said that, Trayvon Diggs is a, a wide receiver masquerading as a defensive back. He does have really great hands, but uh, Trayvon Diggs this basically play just... was, it was incredible. His burst, his closing speed. We haven't had a guy with that. Like the last corner, I'm trying to go back that I remember having that type of takeaway speed and impact was Terrence Newman. And that was, we're going back like 10, 15 years. Yeah. Um, I mean, the so he does – he houses this shit. He takes it 59 yards for a pick six uh, to make it uh, – he now has uh, six interceptions in his first 15 starts, or is it five and 16? I can't remember I the exact number of picks he has. 17 or something. But. Okay, that sounds right. Um, he also becomes the first Cowboy since Everson Walls to have – uh, pick in the three in each of his first three games to start a season. Uh, for for our younger listeners, Everson Walls was a cornerback for the Cowboys a very long time ago. He was born before Vietnam, so uh, and uh, pretty amazing comparison. And he's the only player in the NFL with an interception in every game, so he's kicking absolutely. Ass. He is he is kicking ass. So uh, this was our first pick six by a DB since December of 2017. Uh, Byron Jones had one, a very no different pick six in that way. game. No way did he. You don't remember that? that? You don't remember no. that? It was, they, they threw like a bullet pass to a, a running back coming out of the backfield and he tipped it up like a volleyball. So it went like straight up in the air and Byron like ran under it and caught it. And he was like 10 yards from the end zone and he ran it in. So it was a very different situation. It was not nearly makes, this tight. That makes What's more sense. though? They don't sell his Diggs jersey. Do they really not? I looked it up. You can find discounts of his old jersey with his old number, 
but like they dig don't sell number the number seven. seven? I could only wow, find you're right. some like shitty off brand, doesn't even have a star on it, twenty dollars. Yeah. But like yeah, they only shop. show they only sell the twenty seven jersey right now in the mm-hmm. in the pro shop. That's nuts. Well, that'll change very soon. Yeah. I can I can definitely tell you. I was gonna buy it um, today and I was like, man, oh, wow. I hate I, I would I hate. love to I would love to buy that, but I am uh, forever banned from purchasing <laughs> Dallas Cowboys jerseys yeah. after what I've done to many a career. Yeah, you are you are bad luck on, on jerseys, so especially particularly if, corners. Yeah. Well Mo Clay might have been permanently broken before his jersey was bought, but you definitely sent that man sent that man's career into to the abyss. So I feel terrible. I feel terrible for what I did to Mo Clay. Dude. He had a lot of talent, but Diggs is a no, stud. Like he may be our first Pro Bowl corner in moons. I'm a, I, you know what? Like, I, I, uh, people are gonna people are gonna say I'm overreacting, and I'll admit to it. I am. But <laughs> right now, as of today, Trayvon Diggs is the best cornerback in the NFL. He is. Like as of three weeks into this year, this year Trayvon Diggs is the best cornerback in the NFL. If he can play I know he's not going to get 17 interceptions but if he continues to play like with the impact that he's having right now Trayvon Diggs is not going to be a pro bowler Trayvon Diggs is going to be an all pro cornerback which you'd have to go back really far to find one of those um he had a pick six he had two additional pass breakups he got an 87 point yep he had an 87.1 coverage grade from PFF which is tied for the highest in the NFL right now and he came away from the game with a 92.0 overall. Um, one moment I'll highlight here. Someone got a great slow-mo of when he broke up the slant pass. And then he just walked right up to his former teammate, Jalen Hurts, and basically told him, like, don't throw at me. Like, just chirping at him, like, do not throw at me. I love everything about Diggs. I love that off the field, he's, like, this very quiet, gentle, like, he's a dad. He's got this adorable kid. I love that on the field, he's like a dog. He's not only an incredible player, but he'll talk shit. He gets heated. Like we saw him in hard knocks, like going back and forth with Amari. He was seemingly the only corner on the team that could really hang with Amari and with CD. Um, I mean, I think he's a, he's a star in the making. And to get have gotten that guy in the second round, I think we're going to look back in 10 years. And the fact that we got CD Lamb and Trayvon Diggs in back-to-back rounds is going to seem incredible. Yeah, he um if you also look at the corners just in that draft and corners can sometimes take a while to become studs, but there was like six, I believe, drafted in front of him and all of them are kind of questionable at this point in their career. One of them's already been traded for peanuts, by the way, but Urban Meyer sucks, so that could just be an awful decision. Um, yeah, I mean the 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 entire DB class has 10 total picks and Diggs has six of them which is crazy. That's nuts. Like, yeah. So he, he comes away with this amazing pick six. Um, and the defense comes right back out. That was it too. I said, I said right there, I, I Vince Carter, it's over gif from his, it's over. Yeah. That's, that is definitely it. Like that Um, was a kill shot to me. I was in no longer at any point in this game. Was I worried about losing? I don't know. You know, you were there too, Zach. And it feel like, I mean, I agree. And I was, uh, do one of my favorite things to do when we're kicking someone's ass is go to their uh, Reddit page and live. Oh, yeah. See their uh, the, the, the eagle. The Eagles thread was a work of art I last night in the second half. Look at it. 
as they were just screaming and cursing and talking about how they're going to kill themselves. And dude, they were on full suicide watch. It was an absolute meltdown. Um, I love. They did a couple of my favorite things. One being the weird thing where you decide you, you decide to switch sides on your own team and thereby make it a negative that the other team is beating you. So Dallas is actually shitty for not beating your shitty team worse. That's a great one. And then when you jump ship on the players that are actually good on your team, I saw multiple posts last night that were like, this Devontae Smith kid is supposed to be a first-round pick and win the Heisman. He's getting shut down by some second-rounder, blah, 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 blah. I was like, dude, like, Devontae Smith's on his third career game. He has a running back throwing him the ball, and he's getting locked down by a really good player. Like, And he's the only threat on the whole field. Like, The Cowboys effectively don't have to worry about anyone else but Devontae Smith and maybe Goddard Ertz if they're up to it on a given play. But – Oh, it was so rewarding. I loved it. They were having to finally accept that the fact that it was the Falcons actually was important. Yeah, there was I, – I literally saw some guy be like, three weeks ago, no one would dare run the ball against us. I was like, you mean that the Falcons, who have no running game, wouldn't dare run the ball against – like, Which, no one would dare run the ball against you? Speaking of not daring to run the ball, they had three rushing attempts, which was the lowest in – Okay, I let's think talk about that. that. I was talking during the game, like why? It's like a ninety-two percent pass rate, which was absurdly they, high. So they they had three total running plays, which is the lowest number of yep. running plays in NFL history. Period. They and gave Miles Sanders line almost. Yeah, Miles like, Sanders is he gets two runs, one in the second quarter and one in the third quarter. He averages. 14 and a half yards per rush when he runs the ball. He ends the game with five total touches for 55 yards. Dude, I cannot imagine how pissed he is. Like, they, I mean, I don't want to let shit all over Jalen Hurts. He is at best still developing as a passer. And so to ask him to go out there and throw the ball 40 times with no balance to where by the end of the game, the Cowboys can just like, basically put four linemen, two linebackers, and devote the entire five – and then put five DBs back there and just make your life hell on every single passing play because you've acknowledged that you're never going to run the ball. That just seems suicidal, especially when Miles Sanders is probably a better playmaker than two-thirds of your receiver core. It made no sense to me. Their coach is they, probably on the hot seat. One of the things that this team did, and by this team I mean Dallas – did that we haven't seen in a while too was just how we dominated time of possession. I mean, they rarely had the ball, so I'm sure it felt like Philly didn't think they could run. So I'm just gonna go quickly. This is how their this is how their their drives were: three plays, three plays, three plays, four plays, five plays, three plays, three plays, and then finally with the game at 27-14, they get an eight play touchdown drive before another three play drive, seven play drive, and then a garbage touchdown when it's 41 to 14 so their offense just couldn't even it wasn't even like the chargers game where the chargers didn't score a lot of points but they were moving the ball effectively the entire game philly couldn't philly couldn't move the ball anywhere they would just pass three times and punt pass three times and punt we had almost 10 more minutes of possession than they did. yeah oh yeah it, it was nuts Crazy. it truly was nuts um the, the second half is effective, like, game in hand. At one point, the Cowboys put in all the second stringers. I mean, I guess at this point, it's like fourth stringers in some in some cases uh, on offense and defense. Um, but they did get uh, a touchdown. 
uh, Cedric Wilson caught a pretty awesome touchdown pass where we had totally really... fucked up a red zone possession, like oh to the maximum degree possible. And then on fourth and goal, we go for it. Um, already, already up uh, 27-14. Uh, we go for it on fourth and goal. Dak looks left and then bootlegs out to the right and directs traffic a little bit, has uh, Wilson float to the back of the end zone, scoot inside a little bit. He hits him with a perfect pass. Uh, and then the last touchdown of the day was uh, the Eagles getting to a point of desperation. Uh, they went for a fourth and 10 on their own 43. Uh, they got a hold. Uh, and then Jalen Hurts got collectively sacked by uh, Osa and Parsons. Uh, so they turned the ball over at their own 31. Uh, Dak and company took over. They ran with they ran with Pollard once. They threw a little pass to Pollard, and then Dak threw a beautiful ball uh, out to Schultz, who got to give him credit. Very agile play by Schultz for the last touchdown. He weaved through a bunch of traffic and then dove into the end zone uh, to make it 41-14. After that, was a that, total. That uh, was a total. I mean, great play by Schultz, but that was a total Phillies like thrown in the towel like fuck it. no yeah, it, that, it, that's the old dallas were. teams where you're like i don't even want to tackle like i'm just not yeah. tackle him like i don't want anything to do with this game anymore well, paid the same day one. it was it was <laughs> yeah. pretty much over at that point they, they did get one more garbage time touchdown where uh in on our end of the field jalen hurts got chased out of the pocket and as he's running out of bounds just chucks the ball into the end zone into double coverage and for some reason jordan lewis did not participate in the double coverage and so greg ward caught up caught a touchdown um honestly like it's a beat down 41 21 and that doesn't even tell you the score that doesn't really tell you the story of this game this game was way more out of hand than this this game could have easily been 50 to 14 you know, something like that. If you give Dak the touchdown, they stole from him. Yeah, I mean, it was it was totally out of control at that point. So the Cowboys do roll. I have a I have a little readout of uh, who I consider to be uh, the the stars of this game for you boys, so we can go through these real quick oh, and uh, oh, talk about oh, their I, impact. I had I had this idea, goat. So you can use this. I wanted. Cool. We're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna have have Zach give his Zach Love give his of the game we're gonna have goat give his goat of the game and then me nice. as the walk star will give my star of the game so uh All right. you can lead us off mr goat who was your goat of the game or goats of the game uh, so i'm going to uh i'm gonna split my goat of the game uh between trayvon diggs and osa um Trayvon Diggs obviously just like absolute coming out party kind of to the nation people already knew who this guy was but now he's like a star um I already read out these stats but he had the pick six he had two more pass breakups he was the highest graded uh coverage DB in the entire NFL um Osa uh led the team with two sacks he had four hurries he had four total pressures uh the only person who matched that number of pressures at four was Micah Parsons, who uh, he also had uh, four pressures, a sack, a tackle for loss, three hurries, and a ball tip. So Micah was definitely in the running for goat of the game. But Osa is a, a backup player playing in like his one of his first uh, you know big time rivalry games in the NFL, and he showed out huge. Uh, and we've needed some help on the D line, so that was awesome. And Trayvon played an amazing game as usual. So those are my two: Osa and Trayvon. Uh, Zach, who did you love 
this game. Oh, Diggs. Nice. That's my biggest takeaway. He showed that it's not just, you know, he didn't get lucky because Brady kept fucking up in the first one. Like, no, he he will make that play. That last pick six, like, that was – I mean, Hurts didn't throw it that well, but still. Yeah. That pick six is entirely on Diggs. Agreed. That was beautiful. Agreed. Um, I don't think anyone's probably going to agree with me on this, but a little bit also, Zeke, because I haven't seen him running with that power in so long. No, that I was had, I didn't think he would be able to do that anymore. Like uh-huh. he looked like before he could have one play where he just plows through people, or maybe he could do it with like a yard or so. I mean, there are plays where he had like six guys on him and he's yeah. ripping through them for three or four more yards, and then he's just doing it again the next uh, play. Like, yeah, he, had, he he ends up with over 110 all-purpose yards. He leads the team in yards from scrimmage. 17 carries for 95 yards and two touchdowns with a 5.6 yards per carry average. Awesome game from Also, Just all the backups we had on the D-line. It was almost as if we had the starters. I mean, not Agreed. all, but. Huge game for them, for sure. Every time this game, every time this season, whoever's out, like, next man up, but no problem. Um, it's, I'm, it's been so I'm, long since so we can say that. Yeah, definitely hope, agree on that. I'm hoping in the future we'll, we'll have differing stars of the game, but this will just show how dominant Diggs was because the walk star star of the game was Trayvon Diggs, fellas, for all the reasons Dude, you una- said. A unanimous. A unanimous. In the first in the first time doing this bit, we have a unanimous winner. The love star goat, dude. The love star goat of the, the fucking love game. The star goat of the game is Trayvon Diggs. Um, I wanted to give it to Dallas Goddard. I really did. Two catches, 66 yards. <laughs> Dominant showing. But, um, you know, I, I'll go ahead and give it to Trayvon. Let me give a, a an honorable mention here. Um, so, one – Shout out to the boy Dak Prescott. I mean, we're used to him being great, but I just want to say that one, Dak looked so in control of this game. I loved it. I never worried at all. Um, I do think that we have probably seen the end of Dak as a, a running threat. I think I that's kind that of up. those I days bring that past up. him. I, I had that lot last night on a really like the, the old read option days of him and Zeke that were so effective. I wonder if we're we're done seeing Zach. Dak. I, I think you don't really need that from Dak anymore, and he's such a valuable leader and passer now that you don't want to take the risk of him getting injured. Um, but, I mean, he was so effective otherwise. Uh, 21 of 26, uh, 80.7% completions, eight different receivers, three touchdowns, no picks. The zip on the ball on some of these plays. Um, there's one series in particular I wanted to bring up and it was actually one that didn't go super well for us. Uh, so he ended up getting uh, sacked on third and 11, and we had to punt. This was in the third quarter. But uh, in the third quarter, when we were uh, – it was second and eight at the Dallas 27, and Dak fires this ball between two linebackers and in front of a safety. So it's like in like a triangle of defenders and hits Cedric Wilson – um, they showed the replay a couple different times. Zach just Dak just threw a laser beam in there. It was the most velocity at a ball I've ever seen from him. It was like a throw you see from like an Aaron Rodgers type passer. That was incredible. And then on the very next play, um, a rusher comes. 
Cedric Wilson and Zeke come over to to help with the rusher, and Dak is forced to like step up in the pocket, and he just hits CD Lamb and another just like beautiful ball. So multiple times last night, I just saw moments of just one again, just him being so in control. He was calling audibles, he was seeing stuff at the line that he liked, moving the offense around. Um, incredible velocity on all his throws, which I love to see. The, the touchdown pass, the first touchdown pass to Schultz, where he had to get over that defender, but then drop it down into the bucket to get to Schultz. Incredible throw. Um, he did amazing. Dak, uh, and, and obviously the emotion of coming back uh, to your home stadium after an incredible injury last year. This was just a really great performance. And then, Ben, I know you're going to love this one, but honorable mention to my boy Randy motherfucking Gregory. Uh, Gregory had three pressures last night, two quarterback hurries, and he drew three holding calls because he was about to murder Jalen Hurts multiple times, and the only way to save Jalen Hurts' life was to hold him. Um, Look, like Randy Gregory isn't an all-pro or anything like that, but he was getting a lot of pressure last night. He was disrupting, and that's what we need, uh, especially when Tank gets back and you've got Randy and Tank and Dorrance and Osa and Micah all coming at you. Dude, we're just going to have such a deadly weapon set up front, and I just love to see Randy on the field putting in work, uh, getting three pressures and two hurries and drawing flags. Those are all really helpful things for a role player like Randy, so I was stoked for the guy. Yeah, go back to uh, talking about Dak uh, being a running threat. And, you know, I actually suffered the same injury Dak did uh, March of this year. I was really? climbing and I fell and I suffered a pylon fracture in my right ankle. Oh uh, God. And you know, that's, it's not a joke. Like I'm not super athletic, but like, even still like, you know, I'm October or about to be October. Like I'm still feeling it, still doing physical therapy. Like you're just never going to get 100% of what you used to have. I don't know what they did. You know, I have permanent metal in my ankle. They basically had to rebuild my ankle. Yeah. I knew like, you have to learn how to walk again. So you're like a cyborg. Basically, yeah. That's kind of sick, though. But Would you uh, recommend it? Uh, no, the external fixation is the most painful thing I've ever experienced. Dude, that sounds it, fucking awful. I'm sorry you went through like, that. Yeah, I know we're kind of making light of it, but that sounds no, it's, all, it's all good. It's like metal is stuck into your bones, and it feels oh. like metal is stuck into your bones. Yeah, like, I can kind of like – your bones out. And oh, that sounds so fucking awful, dude. Oh, I mean, yeah, you can kind of tell when Dak runs now, like the, I don't know if it's the acceleration or the agility or the top end speed just isn't there anymore, but um, he's still mobile. Like I'm not worried about him being able to move around in the pocket, but I do think the days of him like taking off and scampering for 20 yards are probably behind him. If not physically, then from a scheme standpoint, they're just not going to risk that again. I mean, I'm going to miss those, but we're showing we don't need it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at this point, like, you have so many other options to move the ball. I don't think, at least in the foreseeable future, we're going to have too many situations where we're just, like, the only option is for Dak to do a designed run play. Um, that would really surprise me. So, but, yeah, that's – yeah, no joke. No joke. All right, fellas, we have any final parting uh, words for the Philadelphia Eagles or the Dallas Cowboys in, in, in our week three matchup? Uh, I mean, awesome game all around. Uh, great called game by both Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore. Um, this is the exact kind of game you want the Cowboys to play. Obviously, there's still mistakes to clean up like there is every week, but they showed what they're capable of. They're a 
dynamic defense that can create turnovers. They're an unstoppable offensive machine that's championship caliber. If the Cowboys play like they played last night and then they get all their guys back and they can play at full strength, this is a contender. That's what I think. Like all the other previous, uh, recent previous seasons, this is the time of the year where we kind of get, you know, kicked in our face and be like, oh, wait, we shouldn't yeah. be so hot on us. Like, yeah, oh, for sure. You know, and this time, though, it's just every time we're like showing, no, no, we're legit. Totally agree. Like, totally I, agree. To be honest, I don't think we're going to the Super Bowl, but if oh. someone, uh, not, Theoretically, Whoa! Why we let this guy on here, dude? What the fuck? What's your deal, I, pal? You know, I'm sorry, man. But if a time traveler told me, "Hey, you guys won the Super Bowl this year," my thought would be, "Oh, hell yeah!" Whereas, like the last couple of years, they told me that I'd be like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, that's like, true. What? Okay, I can I can see it from that perspective as far as just like. But this sounds like I could see it. The 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 chances are still slim as they are for like any team that didn't just win it last year, but like. And being the Cowboys, we're kind of always in this situation where it's like we, we expect to get our heart broken. But this does feel like so much more fundamentally solid than men, probably every season since 2016. So, yeah, totally agree. So, Ben, uh, we do get to play uh, a – are they undefeated next week? Undefeated, undefeated. Oh, yeah. yes. Undefeated Carolina Panthers. The good news is they're missing Christian McCaffrey. And J.C. Horn, their stud uh, rookie cornerback, is out for the year. So, while obviously we never root for injuries and we hope those guys are okay, uh, playing them without those two is a significant upgrade. Yeah, they just traded. They just traded for C.J. Henderson. I don't know if he's going to play yet. Um, Side note, would have been all in on that as a Dallas fan, but that's fine. you know, outside of that, like they've they're three and zero. Their three opponents are the Jets, the Saints, and the Texans. The Jets and Texans are awful. Um, New Orleans has a good win. I don't, I don't, you know, Sean Payton's yeah. a good coach team to hold a Sean Payton off seven points, and they didn't score that touchdown till late in the fourth quarter. I mean, this pair, you know, this Carolina defense is no joke. This front seven, once again, you're gonna. I think that the scariest part of the matchup for us against them is once again, our interior O line, man. Um, you know, assuming they, that they lead the league in sacks, they have 14 yes. sacks in three games. They are, they're pretty much their specialty right now is just making life hell for opposing quarterbacks. Um, so we've had a lot of good things to say about Terrence Steele. Um, Tyron came out of this last game. Uh, I actually wrote it down. Tyron Smith came out of this last game with a 92.7 blocking grade. He had a tremendous day. Um, But Tyler Biotis is a weakness. Connor Williams is always a suspect. Um, Everyone's going to have to play a really clean game, keep Dak very clean for us to have a chance, or not a chance, but to perform in this game as I think we should. I do think that we, uh, like Zach said, I think that we should beat this team. but it will be interesting to to face yet another so test. Uh, we are we are five point favorite. We are playing five points. God damn, the hype train yeah. is real. Yeah, one big win on how much they favor us. Um, five point favorite. We are at home, which does give me a little bit of of um, joy. And the other thing, you know, we're coming off a Monday night game. They're coming off a Thursday night game. They got a little bit more time to prepare and rest than we do. Um, Andy did say they – Yeah, they got like twice as much time. 
as we did. They got eleven days. We got we got six or five, I guess. Yeah. They and we're look, not practicing I, until Wednesday, so like we're not even going to begin getting ready until Wednesday. So we'll have practice Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. They'll take Saturday off. We're gonna have three practice days. They're gonna have probably seven or eight. Yeah, I you know I think that's an advantage for them for sure. You know, Vegas seems to be all on Dallas after after what we did to Philly. I think Dallas still has more pieces, but you know Carolina's allowed thirty points in three games. It's pretty fucking good. Yeah, you know that's. That that's no joke. Well, and I then offensively, is, is I mean, helps. offensively, this is where it's going to get. They have no Christian McCaffrey, which is huge for us. So they're 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 without him. I still don't believe in Darnold at all. So it really comes down to are Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore going to be able to run wild on on Diggs and Brown? And I just you know I would love to see Diggs shut down DJ Moore because he's you, really are you disrespecting Chuba Hubbard, dude? I actually. Fantasy wise, do have Chuba, so um, you know I I I actually was pretty good at Oklahoma State, but he's not Christian McCaffrey, so yeah. I, Sam Darnold isn't that scary. Um, I mean, he's it, it's mostly he throws a lot of underneath stuff. At least at this point in his Carolina career, he's averaging less than ten yards uh, per attempt. Um, he takes a, a good number of sacks. Um, so their offensive line can sometimes be a little questionable. We're going to have to get pressure on Darnold and early, but like you highlighted, I'm not super afraid of their receiving core. Um, really, I think this game is going to be fought their defense versus our offense. If our offense can score points, I don't think they can keep up with us, but if they can limit us, um, then it becomes an interesting game. Um, ben, what are you, uh, what are you pre- predicting for this game? Man, I, I really haven't had a chance to breathe with it yet. You know, I, I five felt pretty big when I heard the initial line, but the more I go over it, I just don't like Carolina's one of those teams that started three and oh, that I think, uh, sort of like Denver. Like I just can't imagine them being much better than nine and seven when it's said and done. And it's really just cause yeah. I don't believe in that signal caller and without Christian McCaffrey to lean on. I mean, their whole offense is DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey. I mean, unless I'm yep. unless I'm forgetting someone. I mean, Robbie Anderson's okay, but you know, it's really those two. And so, you know, Donald's Royce only Freeman. Thrown, yeah, he'll be there. I mean, Donald's only thrown three touchdown passes. So, yeah, you know, I mean, he's I also rushed for three touchdowns. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Is uh, they they they've moved the ball a little bit. I mean, they're 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 gaining 400 yards a game. Like I said, it's tough to get any read off of them just because they've beat up on largely shit teams i guess they could say that about our win against philly you know although the Chargers seems like it was a good win so i'm gonna go ahead and say that at home the way our offense is humming i don't see them shutting us to 10 i think we put up another like 27 and so my question is can i hold the panthers below that i'm gonna say 27 24 i think we eke out a a a hard-fought game Nice. Um, the Cowboys are three and zero against the spread. So are the Panthers. We are agreed, but I love Dallas. I believe in this offense. I think we're going to win this game twenty-seven seventeen, and uh, people will finally be forced to give us a little bit of respect. Zach, what are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts: thirty-five fourteen. Nice, oh, I love it, dude. Oh, I love it, dude. Awesome. 
Zach's coming on every week, dude. I fuck with it so heavy. And notice. Like, we're going to double all their points. Dude, fucking statement game. I love that shit. I mean, here's the thing, gentlemen. I was looking at the schedule today. So, you look at uh, the Cowboys' schedule. So, the Panthers are an interesting team because they're they're 3-0. and But next week, you got home against the Giants and Danny Dimes. That's a fucking W, okay? Then you go to the Patriots. Patriots look weak. W. Then you got the Vikings. That's probably the best offense you're going to play against before the bye. Um, I think there's a really good chance that we come out of this bye or we go into the bye uh, at like five and one, then go play the Vikings. And I, I mean, I think you're really looking at a chance to like have like between one and three losses going into that Chiefs game in late November. Like you could easily be like seven and three, eight and two, I'm, very I'm, easily. I'm agreeing with you, Andy. And those Chiefs—they're looking pretty mortal now. They are. It's they're just last place in their division. They're they are. They're Dude, one they're, and two. They're done. It's just, yeah, it's, they're, it's just one of those things where like they have Mahomes, and as such, like they could just turn it on almost at any given time and just storm back and kick everyone's ass. So I'm not about to just like write them off. Mostly what I'm concerned about is this. So we have to go to KC to play them in late November, which is probably going to be a cold, shitty game in Arrowhead. It's outside. They're the only NFL team of that caliber that plays outdoors in that environment. Then four days later, we got to play the Thanksgiving game against the Raiders, who at the time we scheduled that game, that looked like, you know, they're the Raiders. Now they look like they're, they're halfway decent. And then the week after that, a week from that Thursday on Thursday Night Football, you have to go to New Orleans to play NOLA, who they're kind of a question mark. I'm not a huge Jameis Winston believer, but you got a little run there of like somewhat difficult games, and then you get into the back half of the schedule, which is like all stacked with division opponents and or weird ones like the Cardinals, where it's like, are they good? They might be really good. They might be a flash in the pan. We don't know. So I want to stack all the wins we possibly can in this early part of the season when – like, I know we can kick the shit out of the Giants. Like, that's an easy one. Um, but we got to just stay on our toes and take it a week at a time. Yeah, I would love to. You know, I'm looking um, – I was going to say real quick, the Panthers, uh, if there are any Panthers uh, fans out there listening, they had a hell of a draft, man. They went like J.C. Horn first round, Terrence Marshall second round. Yeah. Chubba in the fit. Um Dude, I like that little I cool draft. Following them, like, how has Horn been? I know he got injured, but like, he had a, he, he was doing pick. pretty well. He had, he had a pick in his first game in the NFL, and I mean, he only got to play like three weeks before he, or like right. two and a half weeks before he got injured. So that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, he seemed like he was going to be a, a, a definite hit. Him and Sertan both looked like they were going to be really good players. Um, but Trimble with a tight end who I think will be pretty pretty nice in a few years. He's got a cool name. I'll give him that. Last <laughs> night when we were watching the game, Cassie came out to the couch and like she doesn't really like to watch the Cowboys with me because as as to quote her, she's like, because all you do is sit on the couch and yell stupid stuff like run the fucking ball. I was like, yeah, that's pretty accurate. Um, but, do. but she came out to the couch and uh, there they had the camera on the bench and Micah Parsons was sitting next to that like fourth string tight end we have whose last name is Sprinkle. And she was like, Sprinkle? I was like, yeah, he's like some backup. She's like, I want that jersey. I was like, they do not make that jersey. 
feel like he cannot get a sprinkle jersey. I'm if sorry to say. Three hundred dollars, you can get one of those custom ones for. That's true. That's you, true. You can always make it custom. Weirdly, uh, when I bought my soccer jersey way back in the day, the custom ones were cheaper than the ones of the actual players. Like putting your own name on a jersey was cheaper than buying a player's. And so it was like $100 versus 110 bucks. And so I just made a custom one. I was like, my name is Wayne Rooney and just put a real player's name. And they made it for me. I got the 10 bucks off. It was great. So you never know. Oh, so yeah, uh, I like our predictions. I hope Zach's is right. That sounds fucking awesome. Another beat down Sunday at noon. Oh, that would just make su- such a great Sunday. Like, like um, into every game, like the week before, I get a little nervous. Then by the time of game day, it's like, no, we we got this. We're good. Hell yeah, dude, Zach. I I I, I need to talk to you more often, dude. That that just sounds like a great mindset. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right, gentlemen. I, anything else before we get into degenerate gambling? No, oh, uh, a little bit. Oh, oh, yeah. Go oh, for it. No, just a little minor information. I know a person who actually knew Connor Williams in high school. Ooh, oh, detail love these stories. Was he huge? Uh, I don't know how big he was, but according to them, Probably Connor huge. Williams was a giant fucking douchebag and would just not surprised over in the hallway and was a huge bully. Because oh, we talk, do we talk about him getting? Sorry, well, Zach. Connor Williams does a lot of anti-bullying stuff and claims that he was bullied in high school and stuff. And says that's just a big pile of shit. What a tool, dude! That makes yeah. me hate this guy. That makes me hate this guy. Dude, I, I just need—that's all the ammo I needed. I'm running with that. As, as well, I, I as texted you this today, now. Ben. Like, I I went through today. I went through all the penalties in the NFL, and one Connor Williams is currently leading the NFL in both penalties and penalty yards. Every player in the league. More than any really? DB, anything. He has four penalties for 40 yards. He has four holding penalties this season. In the last eight years, Zach Martin has three holding penalties. Connor Williams got three holding penalties last night in one game. And one got declined. This is, this is Connor Williams uh, in his career. This year so far, four holding penalties. Last year, five holding penalties. The year before that, five holding penalties. 2018, five holding penalties. This dude, and I don't. Here's what I don't understand: This guy has got to have dirt on the Cowboys media because, like, they'll talk about Biotis being a liability of blocking. They'll talk about all this stuff. I never hear anyone but us talk shit about Connor Williams. This dude sucks. He's not that great of a player, like in his main role, and he's a drive killer. I've seen so many drives killed by this man single-handedly by getting a stupid hold. It's ridiculous. I firmly believe that if he wasn't a second-round pick, he would be. He would have been replaced by now, but can can we agree that it would be awesome if Lael came back, slot him in at right tackle? If they won't move Biotis, and now I am down for your plan, Ben, of moving McGovern to center, let him play center because yeah. Biotis sucks. But if they won't do that, kick Connor to the bench and let let Steele play guard. Like get one of these two liabilities off the field when Homeboy comes back. Like when Lael's done. Have, Serving his time for bribing an NFL official, let let Steele yeah, play one of these changed. other two. Yeah, let's, let's unpack that one a little bit. So between pods, um, Andy, oh, God, dude. Andy had gone to bat for Mr. L. Collins. I really caped up for this dude, man. I really, he really caped, caped up, up talking about how the suspension was bullshit, and it kind of well, there were some mitigating circumstances, so they moved it to two games. L. 
got like further argued with the independent arbitrator who then came back and I guess information was presented that he tried to bribe a testing official. And they're like, not only should it not have been two games, the original five games is correct. So then. Yeah. So this dude, this dude, like the NFLPA doing their job as a labor union, like went and got this shit reduced to two games. Like he'd be back for Carolina. Like this shit would be over. He'd be back in the game. He then decided, no, unacceptable. I want zero (laughs) games. And so he went and went to an arbitrator, and then the NFL was like, well, okay, arbitrator, like, just so you know what he's arguing for here, it's kind of the missed test, but it's mostly an attempt to bribe an official. And he was like, oh, well, in that case, fuck you, five games. I mean, dude, talk about shooting yourself in the foot, man. Like, that's insane. Oh, man, and I, oh, I, I'm i embarrassed that I caped up for, for L. That's that way it's okay sometimes the sometimes the homer the homer cape flies flies hard you know and it is that sucks that sucks bro so yeah um sounds like a deserved suspension to be honest with you and steel is playing really well so it's not that bad yet um i guess we'll see connor uh let's see here one two three four five we'll see him for the vikings game after the bye um they have uh just real quick like carolina just like the best front seven you've never heard, you know, cause it's Carolina. Just, you know, I'm saying that to our listeners. So just if you're out there, I mean, they got Derek Brown up the middle. Well, they, have Hassan, they have a son Reddick. Who's like, that's on Reddick four and a half sack. He's crushing it. But in the middle, you're going to have down and on Jones, Derek Brown's a big fucker. He's going to absolutely punish Beatus. So just be ready for that. Yeah. And then Shaq Thompson's also another, guy who can rush off the edge so i don't know who um, I'll, I'll be honest i don't know who brian burns is but he has three sacks uh yeah second year player dude must be a beast good for him yeah um i think he's a former first rounder so he's um i don't remember where he came out of but i remember he was going fsu yeah 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 florida state kid okay, he's had so. a sack in every game he said he had a sack against the texans a sack against new orleans and a sack against the jets so he's he another, gets one like i said another first round talent so they have a good front seven i think it'll be similar to what philly's d looked like against us i don't think it'll be as crazy as what the front d looked like of of tampa but Anyway, it will be hard to move the ball, but I still just have faith in in Kellen as of now to to correctly call plays. So agreed. That's my final agreed. cowboy note. All right. Well, uh, Ben, interesting week of betting for us. Yes, it was. Um, we went two and two in our early games that we talked about. Um, we bet Cincinnati because I just couldn't believe Cincinnati was good and. I think Pitt's broken. I think they're dead to us. Like the, it's officially flowers on 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 Ben Roethlisberger's career. He's a Hall of Famer, but and a rapist. But he is, uh, you know, no longer good. How, and how did we abandon fading the Jets, man? That was a, that's our real mistake, to be honest with you, because we had a good thing going with fade the Jets, and we got away from it. We got away from our 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 roots, and it bit us in the ass. Not only did we not fade the Jets, but they were playing Denver at home. It was Denver's first home game, and Denver always covers the spread in their first home game. So I was really quite pissed that we we didn't put those two together. Horrible, um, horrible decision. 
Yeah, the Jets look really bad, man. So, um, besides that, I can't remember. We lost another one that was really ugly. I don't know who we bet on our other lost goat. Um, oh, the Chiefs. I will say, right. yeah, we, so we lost the Chiefs. Cover, which, by the way, I saw a stat. We might want to stay away from the Chiefs. They're now 1-11-1 in their last 14 games against the spread. So I will uh, say I managed maybe to they save don't cover us from a lot. I did manage to save us from a losing bet. So listeners will remember that last week I called for uh, uh, everyone to put money on the young, the young goat Max Verstappen to win the Russian Grand Prix. Uh, he actually took a new Red Bull, put a new engine in his car. So he had to take a, a grid penalty and then uh, he wrecked during qualifying. So he started at the back of the grid. He actually fought his way all the way back to second, which was fucking crazy. He made up 18 places during the race, which is nuts. But he did not win, and we did not put money on him, and thereby we lost no money. So that's a small victory. Um, but we did make up a little money, Ben, by throwing some money, uh, kind of an audible, in the late hours. We threw money on Dallas last night. We did. Dallas covered their 3-0 against the spread, which was beautiful. So we bet on Dallas. We hit on Green Bay. They almost fucked that game up against – the uh, 49ers, they were a three-point dog on the road. We bet them straight up money line. They led all game, and then they blew it late, and then Rodgers did Rodgers things, and they saved our ass. So that was huge. And then, once again, uh, I'm proud of this one. I called Tampa over the Rams. I was about like, you know, or I called the Rams over Tampa, I should say. Um, nice. You know, and and that hit. So that was a big one. A three-and-two week, a winning week. We're back up to winning. We have shed the cold water. We have we have made it to the other side. All wins ahead. So, Andy, I'll start off with you. What is your favorite play this week? You're going to hate it. But Browns, minus two against the Minnesota Vikings. The Browns are uh, loaded in the pass rush. Their offense is clicking right now. Uh, people don't want to hear it because they hate him, and I'm not a big fan of the guy either, but Baker Mayfield looks pretty good. He's syncing up really well with Odell Beckham lately. Um, they squashed the fucking Bears. Uh, and not that the Bears are good, but they they had a really impressive showing. So I like the Browns minus two against the Vikings. Uh, who's home? I can't find that for some reason. Noon game. Yeah, but uh, sorry, who's the home team? That's what I was saying. Oh, the Vikings. Okay, a little travel. I'm, I'm okay with that one. I'll live on it. We'll, we'll go with how you feel. Sweet. Um, and then uh, uh, Dallas Cowboys, minus five uh, against the Panthers. Zach has sold me. Uh, the, the Cowboys are going to be the Panthers by 21 points. So, Fuck yes. I love that. Why not, you know? Fuck it, dude. Ride, ride, ride Dallas till the wheels fall off, dude. We've won two bets in a row on them. Um, let us see. I think there's a lot of real interesting games this week. Are the Miami Dolphins one and a half points better than the Colts with no quarterback? Uh, the Colts have no quarterback. They have went. (laughs) Yeah, that was, yeah. But they suck. Wentz sucks. Colts suck. Wentz does suck, but yeah. Dolphins are. Um, I'll tell you what I loved. I was coming on here ready to big up Denver. I thought they would be a home dog against Baltimore, but they're actually a one point favorite against the Ravens, which is shock. Makes that's, sense. That's low key crazy to me. Denver has played legitimately no one. They've played the Giants, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the fucking Jets. Like the, I'm almost the, tempted to take. I'm tempted to take Baltimore. 
Uh, I'm gonna stay away from it. Although I do want Denver. That's where I was coming in hot. Uh, the Ravens needed a like a 66 yarder to beat Detroit last week. They fair. That's fair. Yeah, they they're are, a mess. They are a mess, and they're gonna play a Denver defense, which has been rock Ooh, solid about, in Denver. How about- how about Tampa Bay minus seven against the Pats, the Tom Brady revenge oh, tour? That's where I was going after. Tampa against the Pats, Brady back. Um, I don't know if this is a good bet. I think this is going to get hammered by everybody, but we're going to be on everybody, and I'm 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 all for taking bet on bet on Brady just to just to ruin, um, Agreed. ruin ruin Belichick. So I love that one. Um, other than that, the uh, Chiefs Eagles. Uh, the Chiefs, Chiefs are seven and a half seven and a half point favorites. I'd say fade the Eagles, man. God, that really told you that the Chiefs haven't covered a spread in like man, fucking I mean, years. The Chiefs, like, I mean, while I was making a joke and saying that they're trash, like they're good team. They just kind of got the shit kicked out of them. Like they're in last place. They want to come back, and the Eagles suck. They do suck. They do like, suck. Are they seven? Do they suck worse than a touchdown? Seven and a half is so many points. Yes. I, I honestly, I was going to say, like, unless did you see the uh, 14 points. You, you know what, dude? Most, Zach, Zach's see? a guest host. I think he gets a guest pick then. I mean, wow. it's not my money, but if I'd say. Like, I would <sighs> say. I might roll on I'll, it. I'll finance, Zach's, I'll finance Zach's pick. You know what I might do? We might do, like, just a big – NFC East parlay, Cowboys to win, all three of our fuckers that we hate. Oh, I like that shit. Just throw it on a big Cowboys. So that would be what? Saints, Saints (laughs) to win, Chiefs to win, and who does football team play? They play the, uh, oh, I was looking at it. It's a toss-up game. Yeah. Oh, the Falcons. That's tough. That's tough to bet on. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I mean, the Falcons did just beat the Giants, but. Why not live a little goat? Why not live a little? Hey, fuck it, man. Let's roll. Yes. Um, I mean, the and then, are probably going to win one game. That's fair. I might. Oh, shit, you're right. Uh, I, they might win two. I, <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, man. Is I really – no. I've said I'll stay away from the Raiders. I'll stay away from the Raiders. That Chargers-Raiders game is attractive to me. Chargers at home, three and a half, but – who, who, um, who would you want? The Chargers? The Chargers, yeah. And then I'll tell yeah. you what. We've, 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 we've gotten away from it. I say we just go ahead and do it. We fade the Jets. Tennessee minus seven and a half. Fuck it, dude. Womp. They the, just the Jets Seattle. are so bad, dog. The Jets are so bad. They lost 26 back, to nothing. We go back to our roots, and we just fade the Jets. 100%. I like it. Let's do that. Fight. Let's do that. Okay. All right. Let's do those for this week. Did you see the Bills line real quick? Bills Texans 16 and a half. Oh my god, that's a basketball score. <laughs> Man, Dude, I love is... how bad the Texans are. That's great. That's that's oh. absurd. All right, gents. Those are our picks for the week. We'll be back next week to either uh eat crow or celebrate our Fast number of wins, especially if the Cowboys roll the Panthers. That'd be so awesome. I'd be so fucking stoked. Boys, any final notes before we get out of here? Hell no. Let's go. I think we said everything. All right. Well, uh, as always, thank everyone so much for listening. Uh, Thank you so much for the support. And uh, if you'd like what you heard, please feel free to leave a 
uh, a like, a comment, uh, even a rating on iTunes, which does help us climb the charts a little bit. Feel free to follow the podcast. As always, if you have anything that you'd like for us to talk about, a question for us to answer, reach out to us on Twitter, which can be found at uh, Ben. What's uh, the pod's Twitter handle? At BWBB pod. I'm in live tweeting every game this year, giving you loads of great content. So awesome you can content, me. great memes. Ben's always mixing it up with uh, other media personalities. It's worth a follow. So uh, tag that in. Uh, as always, folks, I'm Andy Gatelli. Benjamin T. Walker. Zach Love. Yeah, Zach yeah, Love. Yeah. Guest host. Let's do it. This is when boys will be boys. Thanks so much. Take it easy. Peace.